0: Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 236 for Monday, March 13th, 2023. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me, as always, is my friend Johnny, also known as Pixel Riffs. Hello,
1: sir hello and uh one of the things you can do with friends is play video games with them which we've been talking all about in the render distance as joel discusses uh some friends who play forza in unexpected ways and uh some friends who can catch up and play assassin's creed with as well i've been playing elden ring with zloy xp over on twitch um if you want to hear more about that you can get the extended conversation by visiting patreon.com slash the chunks and subscribing to our patreon where you get the render distance a little before and after pre and post show every week we also put on events and stuff for our patrons quite frequently these days, uh, we have our monthly Minecraft hangout coming up at the end of the month, we'll have a quarterly hangout coming up I believe towards the end of this month or the beginning of the next, and we've got the usual patron events, mail Dispenser is something that they unlocked a while ago that we've been doing every month, so it's also super nice to broadcast to our patrons live in Discord, and uh, we are doing this a little earlier than usual just on account of uh, the time change in North America and various countries around the world are changing their clocks this month so uh, keep an eye out for a couple of schedule changes until we get back on track
0: what have you been up to in minecraft this week man
1: i am still building a really big cliff and i'm (laughs) (laughs) i'm enjoying working with savannah grass which is something i never really expected to i thought the color Mm -hmm. was going to be a good pick uh, because of the theme I wanted to build in this area of it being kind of old and ruined and I thought well I'll just bear with it and the savannah is right there by spawn but now that I have the flexibility of working in moss and mossy cobblestone and then blending that through like dirt and the savanna grass color into other things I'm finding that really fun to work with and Obviously, right now, I'm still landscaping the area with the idea of I'm building a castle up here. So a lot of the new terrain that I've been putting in has just been grass blocks on account of that's where I know the castle is going to go. I won't bother putting too much detail into this because I'm just going to build over the top of it. Right. Um, but so so a lot of the in the screenshots that I'll share into in this show's show notes, there will be a lot of just flat grass areas. But the area in the foreground of the cliff... I've got a dirt path worn in there using a lot of packed mud actually, packed mud is really great as the central block of that because it's fairly low texture especially from a distance, it's kind of like stone that way, Um, and it it definitely provides a much smoother look than the coarse dirt and rooted dirt that I'm using to texture either side of it, but that blends really nicely into savannah grass and then out of there into mossy cobblestone and tuff where it reaches the edge of the cliff i took your advice from last week which turned out to be a fantastic piece of advice of adding andesite to the lip of the cliff to help it feel Uh, kind of like smoothed and worn mm -hmm. down by the elements or whatever's going to be eroding it and that's where i started mixing in the tough and started texturing the stone a little bit so that's going really well for me right now i'm still working on details here and there it's one of those things where like i can keep adding details to it and never never really feel finished Uh, but I think it's going uh, going to work out pretty well. And from there, because a lot of it is flatter, I've started adding in a few features. There's going to be boulders, a couple of trees growing up there, and some of that is going to go in after I've started working out the structure of the castle, but the majority of it can go in now just to provide a few obstacles, a few points of interest along the path. And honestly, just a slab with a couple of pieces of grass around it is, is working wonders. Uh, it's going to provide a couple of areas where you can step up, where you've got that sort of one block gap that the player would normally have to jump up. Uh, but like slabs like that, even when there's no other grass around, I find that adding a bit of grass around them makes them stand out a little bit more. And it's like weeds growing from underneath a stone where some moisture would be trapped and they've got enough food to keep going. So I think that, uh, that as an aesthetic worked out really well. I've got a screenshot in the show notes, which will be, a little bit more context for the area with it being kind of nestled around my builds and everything, which will give you a, a better idea of the scale that I'm working on here. But there's still a long way to go. I'm really enjoying it in the meantime.
0: It looks fantastic. I see what you mean about the the grass around the slabs. And I can imagine mm. from a, a player's perspective, like walking along the ground, that looks even cooler because it gives you that, that depth of like having the grass in front of the slab and behind the slab. And so you'll have like that parallax effect as you walk by, right? There's something yeah. to kind of overlap and layer things and then something like a bright gray rock in the middle of your road doesn't seem as distracting when there's like a little bit of green kind of overlapping it here and there um i do that all the time with um berry bushes i'll put a leaf block in front of a berry bush so that it's not like this bright red bush right on the side of the road you can kind of see it but it's kind of in behind something and so it it, it takes the the punch out of it and uh, i really like what you've done with the packed mud i i need to work more with packed mud i've done a little bit in some of the paths that I've done as well. But um, packed mud looks looks really, really good in, in path work. And the rooted dirt, the way that you've done it, like it, it looks like when grass gets really thin on the edge of a road and it ends up being burnt by the sun because there's not enough of it, to withhold moisture or protect itself, and I feel like that's that. Really, it's reading now to me not as rooted dirt, but as like burnt grass. You know, in yeah. the same way that path block in Minecraft is meant to look like trampled grass. I feel like this looks kind of like savanna burnt grass, and I'm I'm realizing just how dependent I am on my uh, coarse dirt slab that I have in mm-hmm. my data pack yeah. in West Hill because I you know using the the stones to hop up like I would be. I'd be putting dirt slabs all over the place. It's like, oh no, I wouldn't be able to do that in Pixel Rift's world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and be restricted. But and I like I like the um the rocks as well, like the the rocky outcrops that kind of like it makes you feel like you're standing on something solid rather than just like grass that could be washed away at any point. Like it kind of yeah. gives you the idea that like this all used to be dirt and grass, but then wind and you know, potential storms and erosion have pulled it away. But then there's parts of the underlying mountain that are still there that, you know, have not been washed away. And those are kind of like what's holding you up underneath all of this. It, It makes it feel a lot more solid when you have those extra, extra bits. And I think, too, because those rocky outcrops don't really happen that often in Minecraft naturally in the world generation, they do a little bit sometimes, but most of the time they have to be player you know designed yes. and i think because of that it gives it more of a custom feel immediately like i've not seen this biome before in minecraft it's not just a savanna it's a savanna cliff with which doesn't exist like it's something new you know
1: yeah yeah despite the caves and cliffs update having been the last couple of updates before the right. one we're in right now like i still think cliffs as far as terrain goes are fairly lacking and one of the things that's great about doing a project like this is it's in such sharp contrast to all of the landscape around which is mostly player traversable hills because everything's just like one or two blocks at a time and you can kind of staircase your way up there if there's not a convenient path for you to just jump from block to block And this really feels impassable now. Um, And I'm planning on having a couple of ways to get up there. Um, Up towards the the left-hand side of it from these pictures, there's a group of custom spruce trees, and I'm planning on building a path that goes through the forest. And once again, taking some of my cues from the environment design from playing Elden Ring is that... often to look for a path up a hill you have to enter a forest where you don't know what's going to be lurking there and there could be Mm. enemies behind some of the trees and your vision is obscured and you have to really summon up the courage to go in there in the first place to be rewarded by finding the path that'll take you to the top of this cliffside i'm also planning on adding in a waterfall Uh, my idea is that the some of the more lush terrain up on the top of this cliff is going to be as a result of them having controlled a mountain spring that's like going to be the water source for the town is going to fall down a water a waterfall into the center of town and then start to structure things around a river. And so I've been leaving gaps in the terraforming just so I can uh you know add a river in a little bit later. So I'm not doing the entire path, but then that gives me opportunities for bridges and it's one of those projects like we were talking about a couple of weeks ago where everything starts to snowball, and suddenly once you've started doing one thing, a a, a dozen other things will just suggest themselves from there, and it springboards into a whole bunch of other little projects that I can add to it. Um, So really excited about that. Most of it has just been background whilst I've been working on video content, though, because a lot of this is decisions I'm making on the fly, and it's not something that I've necessarily got the vocabulary to explain what I'm doing I'm doing a lot of it kind of on on instinct and just muddling through and trial and erroring a lot of it so in the meantime I've been collecting all of the early game artifacts that Rendog left behind for me as a kind of scavenger hunt whilst he was leaving our server and going back to Hermitcraft so that's what I've been doing kind of in the meat of my episodes but in the background you'll notice this cliff taking shape and I think for this podcast audience at least you're probably a little more interested in the cliff side of things
0: it's funny how broad areas like this are very hard to talk over when you're streaming or doing yeah. video work. Yeah, yeah, Whereas, Whereas I, I can build a wall or a house or a roof or something and I can talk about all the decisions I'm making. Mm-hmm. Interior design, same thing. I start doing a path where I'm just texturing and all of a sudden I'm like, Very self-conscious of how silent my stream has just become because I'm just, (laughs) you know, the art, the art brain just takes over and I'm just, I'm looking, I'm running through a whole bunch of like color theory and shape design and how does it feel and what does it look like? And I'm doing all that in my brain, but I'm not speaking out loud. And it just, it's, it's funny how, um, I've caught myself and have to go back it's like so, if you're wondering what the heck I just did yeah, <laughs> and yeah. why I replaced this block four times,
1: this is why. It makes a bit more sense than just going, well, I'll put another piece of stone here. <laughs> in this case yeah. like, yes, uh, yeah, you will put you'll put a lot more stone there if the cliff is going to yeah. continue in the direction that it has been.
0: You start to sound like Bob Ross, like happy little piece of dirt here. Happy yeah, exactly piece of yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, you know,
1: le- le- leaving the silence to speak for itself in some of that. But uh, yeah, so far I'm really enjoying it and It'll get a lot more structural after this, but in the meantime, it's nice to do a bit of terraforming and kind of switch off my brain for a while and just focus on placing the blocks.
0: There is something really nice about about terraforming uh, in the way that it's it's from your hip, like it's it's very instinctive. It's you don't go into it with a plan of like this is going to be six by six by twelve by it has two towers. Like you just you kind of go in going like ah I don't know like I'm going to use the Minecraft world to inform where I'm going to put the river, where I'm going to put you know, the high points, you know, I'm going to, I have a plan where like this has to lead up to a castle and I want there to be paths, but like, I don't know where they're going to go. Like I need it to look organic, which means that you can't think about it too much ahead of time. You kind of have to realize, oh, like this is something that I have to kind of just wing. And I love the, the idea going back to even something that, that Whip and I talked about before, you know, when you were away and that like the story behind the world and like the fact that they, you need, The town to have water but you're in a savannah so where are they going to get it they're going to get it from a river far away or some spring that they've then manipulated which then informs like all the different structures that you have to build on top of that and i i love that it's not it's just a little bit of history it's not even lore it's just like it's more of a reason you know it's just Mm -hmm. it's a logical reason like i don't want to just poke a hole in the wall and have the river come out of it like i need some other way that makes sense to me as the creator And then that opens up like six new build ideas or, you know, landscape things. And it's also a nice way to break up the landscape. I find sometimes, too, when you're doing this kind of custom stuff, it feels repetitive when it's too broad of an area, you know, like you need some way to break it up a bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this is the start of that (laughs) and it's going to continue for a little while. But uh, yeah, I think it's, it's allowed me to refocus on turning this area into what I wanted it to be after, you know, the collab with Hermitcraft going on it kind of paused a lot of the building I was doing in this area so it's really nice to finally like hit play on that and and see where we can go from here
0: well I've been wrapping up some landscaping on the citadel I was working on the area outside of the west gate river gate last week and then this week was flipping back to the inside so uh, inside the gate I had some custom landscaping to do I needed to do a little bit of custom riverscape stuff and i i took some time to put in a log pile behind the blacksmith i had this empty kind of like landscape and i didn't want it it is too big to just leave untouched and it was also kind of too big to be all just like custom grass and bushes and stuff it would just kind of look muddy and so i added in like a, a pile of logs with a dirt path and used my armor stand data pack to stick an axe in a log just like little touches that kind of indicate this is what this is used for and hey it's a giant wood pile and a chopping block right behind the forge, So like, it's kind of obvious that this is probably where the blacksmith has to chop wood to fuel the forge for what Mm -hmm. they're doing. And it, uh, it all worked out pretty well in terms of just the scale of everything, the location. Um, I feel like I've been doing this throughout the entire West Hill bill, which is just like noticing these areas that are like, this is kind of a problem area. It's kind of boring. I want to do something, but I'm not quite sure what yet. And then as you kind of build other things around it, you think, all right, well, what does the blacksmith need? And this woodpile ended up with two different things. Like it ended up being a great thing to see and look at behind the, the blacksmith, but along a path going down to the river gate, it also served as a really nice border on the right-hand side. I had the tower on the left-hand side, which is this huge rock face of a tower. And then everything on the right-hand side just felt really plain and boring. And so Mm -hmm. to have a small retaining wall and then some some logs in the distance it really kind of helps um sort of bookend the the experience of walking down the path which i thought was was really really cool and then uh when i got down into the um the river gate like that was just fun stuff of like you know putting like little half stair drain pipes and you know just roots using um uh, mangrove roots with spruce trees to make it look like the roots dangle down into the water Mm -hmm. which you can then waterlog you can waterlog bushes now like there's all these things that I couldn't do back when I first did a rough draft of this area and so in a lot of ways I'm glad that I've waited to do these these details not all at once like I finished a lot of these builds a year ago and then I'm going over the entire town with these details but because I've waited Minecraft has come out with more stuff yeah. And yeah. in some ways it's not even new blocks. It's just like water logging, you know, leaf blocks is something we couldn't do before. And it's so fun to add a couple of custom bushes at the bottom of a river. Like I don't do the whole thing, but just, just where you stand at the dock and look into the river, you can see a couple of custom bushes at the bottom of the river. And it just makes it feel that much more finished and, and intentional design, I think is kind of where I'm at with, with that area. It's been, it's been really fun to do that kind of stuff
1: yeah just having the the option to feel like there is organic debris floating down the stream the kind of stuff mm-hmm. that would naturally be carried on the current and you can even have it like where you've got that gateway in the wall you can have it kind of almost damming that area with like your stuff that's been floating downstream as as an option like i'm not saying you should do this but like you know if people are looking for other stuff to do with that then if there's a man-made like Watergate or sluice or whatever then it's going to have debris kind of caught on some of that mm-hmm. and when i was designing the uh the great bridge going across the lake in empires one of the things i wanted to have happen was there's clumps of leaves and like waterborne plants that have all just gathered around the base of those pillars and they're getting blocked by the pillars from continuing to flow with the current and moving on And then the more stuff builds up there, it just kind of all gathers together. So like, yeah, like just being able to waterlog leaves and roots and some of those things gives you so much more options for detailing waterscapes that it's actually, it feels like it's worth doing now. Um, Seagrass and kelp and stuff from 113 made it really feel worth doing, but this is kind of taking things to the next level after that.
0: It just dawned on me, it might be one of the most Canadian things I've ever said on the podcast, but you could make a pretty cool looking beaver dam now with waterlogged blocks and and leaves and roots. Mangrove roots and stuff. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Very fun. Very, very fun. Uh, So from there, I I decided it is time to stop the landscaping because as much fun as it is, I do find it very slow going. And so we were going several streams at a time without checking much off. And so I moved inside and uh, even though it was only one item on my to-do list, uh, which was filling out the inside of my Westgate towers, uh, it was a lot of fun because it took the fly by the city of your pants sort of um, landscaping brain and kind of had to flip it inside like, okay, now I have to be logical. I need stairs, I need them to make sense. I need them to feel right when the player runs up and down them, and I need there to be beams that look like they're supporting both the ceiling and the stairs. Uh, previously I had just had functional stairs for the player kind of going up. They were very floaty. (laughs) The platforms Mm -hmm. were not secured to anything. And again, like it's been a little while since I made this main structure. So I've picked up some new tricks. Like I do a lot of work with signs now, uh, in terms of layering them on top of things like stairs or beams or whatever. And they, they can kind of look like strapping or fasteners or, uh, other supportive blocks and they take up less room than like a trapdoor or uh, a full stair so you can kind of make things look a little bit more robust without adding a lot of um heavy minecraft like blockiness to it mm-hmm. and in some cases i i had to sacrifice and i had to say you know what i've tried this three different ways and it just looks good with a big old chunk you know like a big old stair um you know diagonal sometimes it looks a little bit chunky in minecraft and other times you know you try three different versions like nope every other version looks like it's going to fall down i'm just going to go with the chunkiness of it you know and Mm -hmm. and so going through that it was a lot of fun and uh, going across I, i can't remember the name of it now it's the pedway that goes between the towers there's a technical term for it over a gate it starts with b i don't remember what it's called um but i needed to have like these little steps where like each arrow slit had a little staircase so that the archer could like step up and get a good look at the road below right unfo- yeah yeah unfortunately if it, if it's a meter and a half off the ground the arrow slit as the player you stand there you kind of feel like Gimli in the lord of the rings two <laughs> I like, should i get you a box yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know and you can't see anything um you could shoot anything you want in the air but <laughs> yeah if they're on the ground you're kind of sol so so yeah it, it's one of those things that I, I went through and kind of took some logic and kind of applied it to everything in there and and again like the armor stand data pack and the mini block data pack have been really instrumental in me being able to do the things that i want to do like populating the top of a tower with a bunch of stuff you know and have it not all be meter by meter cubes um i'm really enjoying some of the tile deep slate and and the mud brick slabs Um, When you put those around just on their own, it looks like, you know, a pile of roofing material or a pile of, you know, clay blocks or something. And I I like that kind of look as well. Um, But I really had a lot of fun with the armory, which is on the base level of the West Tower. It's right next to the guardhouse that I did a couple of weeks ago in that, you know, the guards that are in this house could run through the base of the first tower grab their armor, their bows, you know, whatever they need, and then head on, you know, upstairs. And most of this is vanilla with the exception of um, hiding the armor stands and and a little bit of a pose on the head of the armor stand. But you could do this with a vanilla armor stand in general. Um, And then, of course, hanging the bows on the wall, that kind of stuff is, is 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 a data pack, you know, with the armor stand. But I really find that having these items in there clearly communicating what the area is used for just goes a long way to selling the idea of of the build
1: yeah like i can see what you've done but it still looks like a cohesive environment in a way that like a lot of minecraft builds don't end up um like i i I really like having the levers on the wall to like be hooks to hang the bows from i think that that looks really awesome
0: it's just that step above putting a bow in a Item frame,
1: you know what right? I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. Like it, 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 feels less like you know you've you framed it and it's behind glass or something like a a a picture that you'd put up on the wall and a lot more like something you could just grab at any moment mm-hmm. and and use.
0: And the scale is correct too, because when you put it in the hand of an armor stand, it's roughly the same scale as when you see it in another player's hand yeah, on an yeah. SMP, right? And uh, fix it when when he was on was talking about a data pack that he used that allowed you to put an item like a sword or a shovel or an axe or something in an item frame but it would maintain the right scale right uh, yeah or you could make it bigger d- depending on what you wanted to but the idea behind the pack was just like if you put an item frame down and put your sword down it wouldn't be small it would be the right scale so then it would just look like you laid your sword on a table you know like yeah. the knights of the round table all laying their swords down pointing towards the middle that kind of thing
1: yeah I thought, that's yeah that's
0: a really cool idea And I wanted to put down a shovel uh, because I also took the time to decorate some of my uh, houses in the area and that included um, the textile shop. So I really got to branch out and add some color, which was fun, but the textile shop needs something. It needs like a tool that looks like you would take like a big piece of cloth and you'd be jamming it down into a big vat of dye to like dye it. And I thought about using the data pack to put a shovel up against the wall, but even the Minecraft shovel in the hands of an armor stand looks like a gardener's spade. Like it Mm -hmm. doesn't look like a a six foot long shovel. So I'll have to come up with something else. Somebody suggested a trident. I might be able to to work with the trident and have it look right. The trident might be the wrong color, but I don't know. I'll I'll see what I can come up with. But um, moving on to some other things to just kind of check off a bunch of stuff quick. I had a couple of houses in the area that didn't have any insides, just little things like putting in a stove and a flower pot and a chair and Stuff like that worked out really well. I really like the challenge of taking a build that I've been, you know, it's been a year or two since I've built it and I somehow just forgot to do the inside. But then also like, well, if someone's going to live here, there has to be a heat source. And I didn't build a chimney. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so yeah. So what I end up doing is putting like a little blast furnace or a furnace on or a smoker on the ground somewhere in the main floor and then trying to logically figure out where would the chimney come out. And then I've actually made some adjustments to the roofs to make sure that the chimneys come out in a place that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's such a fun way to make the build feel really cohesive. And when everything that you have either has like a proper you know chimney on the outside or even just like a little stovepipe, which, I mean, again, uh, a couple of years ago, we didn't have uh, deep slate. So having polished deep slate walls works really well for stovepipes and chimneys if you wanted to have like a dark kind of like iron look to it. And so I've been doing that. Uh, and then the the house next to the f- um, flower shop needed some stuff. And that I had some fun with because I thought, OK, if the florist lives here, they're obviously going to have flowers in their living room. And so I brought in a bunch of different colored mats and, you know, the bed's green and the flowers are yellow and orange. And so that was a lot of fun. And then in the textile shop, I got to play with banners and the loom, which I haven't really seriously played with the loom since they redid it. The last time I made banners was like the old school way. Mm hmm. And so I really enjoyed the experience. I might do more with banners in the future. Um, I don't like the way that they sway around even when they're inside. So I don't tend to use them very much. But for this particular use case, you know, having a bunch of material that has been in, it's in the process of being dyed, hanging up over vats of water. I I couldn't really get any vats of dye. The closest I got was putting a couple couple of trapdoors around a honey block to make it look like yellow dye. Mm -hmm. Um, But everything else is just, you know, Vats of water. I put some prismarine underneath one vat of water to kind of make it look like it was shimmering a little bit. But I, you know, it, we can't dye water in cauldrons in the same way that um, you can have, I think, potions in cauldrons in Bedrock. In your Bedrock edition, yeah, you can. Yeah, which gives it a color, which would be really cool here, but we can't do that uh, in Java. So um, that was a lot of fun uh, to have the colors. And then I, I'm not entirely satisfied with the top floor, but basically I put all the materials for the top floor as uh items that would be kind of like the source of dyes so like spices or berries and i ended up using some coral but that means you have to hide a water block somewhere yes so it kind of restricts like where i could place them and how i could place them because you want the trapdoors to make it look like they're being surrounded and so it was a little bit tricky but um i might go back to it uh and, and finish it up a little bit but then um i also put a couple of finished banners outside and that's where i had some fun thinking okay medieval like what what are those kind of medieval banners that look like, you know, they would be at the head of an army or, you know, something that would hang, you know, kind of like a tapestry somewhere. And so I did like a cross with some different colors and having a gradient behind them was really cool. And then I, I did like one of those half and half, like 50 for 50, um, vertical stripes, you know, just red and yellow, you know, mm-hmm. with like an orange gradient in there. And that was a lot of fun. And it adds a lot of color walking down the alley, you know, between the, the textile shop and the the blacksmith. So, um, I'm getting used to it. I, I like the pop of color, but it's the only places I've done it. So it feels a little bit out of place, but maybe when I finish the keep and I add more banners up there, it'll help kind of balance out that there's more than just one spot in the town where
1: there's color. But yeah, anyway, yeah, I,
0: I feel like I've been rambling, but I've, I've been streaming almost <laughs> every day and I've been accomplishing a lot. So there's a lot to talk about.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, like I, I love the banner shop. I think that's, that's such a Thanks. fun idea to have gradients for stuff that's either being dyed or you could even do something with like a darker gradient from the bottom as though it's still drip drying you know like all of the the water is still kind of pooling at the bottom of it and uh, you, you've got you've got some some really neat ideas there and yeah I think having the designs on the banners be simple really suits the medieval feel because a lot of the time in those days it would be uh, you know which lord's banner is this, and it's got to be the most simple one that you'd be able to recognize everywhere. You're not going to be like, how many claws does the lion have? Let me count real quick to make sure I'm <laughs> yeah. addressing the right lord or whatever. Like you, you, you kind of have to be able to distinguish them from a distance, and they're the obvious standard you march under before you go into battle. And like, yeah, just it, it's supposed to be a a simpler design. Uh, so yeah going full minecraft on it and adding six layers and making it look like a bunny rabbit isn't going to fit a medieval town <laughs> uh so i think that's that's a, a really neat touch to it and uh yeah maybe like if this is the manufacturer of banners for the town then putting a couple of those around there could really help it feel like they are supplying the rest of the town with textiles
0: and they didn't sway as much inside as i thought they might so i might Start putting them inside different places. The problem, of course, is that at, at this scale, I don't often have room to put something like that up. But there's a yeah. couple of bigger houses on the left hand side of the the of, of the town, like the west side that are meant to be fancier, richer people living there. And so there would be kind of like a, an opportunity to have maybe a banner or something like that in like maybe on the either side of a hearth or something like I could I could see that maybe being something I revisit but then like I'm also then adding stuff to the to-do list <laughs> that I'm yeah. trying to check off so I am trying to at least check off one or two things without adding the same <laughs> yeah by the end of things
1: the next thing on the podcast to-do list is to tackle the news so uh, let's jump into it yeah Sounds like a plan, we
0: have Pre-Release 4 for Minecraft Java Edition 1.19.4. This pre-release contains bug fixes, some cherry texture tweaks, and a button in the options menu to view the game credits. Changes and technical changes in Pre-Release 4. Added a credits and attribution button in the options menu. Players can watch the end game credits. Scroll with this button. When a new display entity interpolation is started, It now starts from the current state instead of the final state. Some fixed bugs of note in pre-release 4. Skulk sensors are not activated upon breaking shulker bullets. Hostile mobs can't replace armor they are wearing with better armor. Village trade button interferes with the slider in the trade menu. You can block falling anvils and dripstone with a shield. 1.20 bug fixes in pre-release 4. The sounds of using brushes don't show up as subtitles water within waterlogged decorated pots doesn't flow sniffers in the distance have a lot of z fighting in their body textures and the texture of the cherry signpost was inconsistent with other signs for the full list of bug fixes in pre-release four you can read the minecraft.net article linked in our show notes
1: Earlier this morning, uh, before you we were able to add it to the show notes, there was a release candidate 3 for Minecraft 119.4, we'll make sure to include that. There's just one bug fix in there, which is just guardians dealing thorns damage even while their spikes were retracted. So that's the only fix, and the full release of Minecraft 119.4 should come tomorrow on Tuesday, March 14th. In the meantime, we had a behind-the-look-of-Minecraft Legends video go out on youtube.com slash Minecraft. It's a dev diary focusing on the art direction of Minecraft Legends, where Julia, Lisha, and Addy from Blackbird Interactive and Telemachus from Mojang Studios talked about the unique details and design decisions that make up the overworld of Minecraft Legends and help it feel so alive. Once again, that's linked in our show notes at youtube.com slash Minecraft.
0: So I am embarrassed to say i completely missed the behind the scenes minecraft legends diary thing so like how, what what was that like cuz i'm i'm interested in that game for sure
1: yeah, it's really cool. I think as an artist, you'd probably get a kick out of seeing what their design flow was like for the landscapes of Minecraft Legends specifically. Um, they they talked about how they rendered a lot of the mountains in like a 3D modeling program. I think they called it ZBrush. I'm not familiar because I'm not mm-hmm. much of an artist am, myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they did that and then they had to remodel it in a couple of other programs and finally take it to Photoshop to apply the pixel art stuff to it and then... So they were talking about really hand crafting a lot of the features that are going to appear as though they are procedurally generated in-game and might be placed randomly, but are all kind of, you know, the the, the designer's touch has been basically everywhere. Um, so that's really cool. And I think um, it's it's really cool that they're adding stuff that people mentally project into minecraft like they talked about adding gusts of wind and birds nesting in trees and flying away as the wind blows and that being part of the game because it feels like that stuff is in vanilla minecraft already but is not it's the kind of stuff that people sort of imagine as they're walking around a forest and interestingly enough that kind of points ahead to our main discussion this week which we'll get to a little bit later Um, Telemachus explained that the storybook angle that they're taking with it, the fact that it's a, a legend that's been passed down, you know, through the history of Minecraft, has given the game more of like an idyllic fairy tale vibe, which is why some of the cuteness and some of the saturation of the colors and everything has all sort of been taken to 11. And to me, that explained why the game feels like it has a lot of like soft edges and rounded corners, which both help the game feel a bit more cutesy, but also feel a bit more modern. Um, you look at Minecraft and everything is very kind of obviously cubic, um, but all of the edges are very harsh and you don't tend to find games doing a whole lot of that. Like That's why anti-aliasing and stuff like that is a technology that's been moving forward throughout gaming and has helped games look a bit more smooth and polished um, and with this game it really feels that way um but it it helps that you aren't doing much like landscaping or building stuff by hand the way you do in vanilla minecraft so players don't need a whole lot of like precision when they're interacting with the blocks themselves um now i've actually pre-ordered minecraft Legends since i'm not a a game pass guy i'm actually quite excited that it's only a month away basically i believe the release That's date right, is yeah. april 18th and it's the 18th, 13th correct, of march yeah. now so we're really only <laughs> like five weeks away from this and um in my downtime i've been playing diablo 2 for the first time and while it's not quite the same like gameplay style it is kind of harkening back to my days playing earlier blizzard rts like warcraft and starcraft 1 um which is kind of getting me excited for minecraft legends gameplay like I- i'm really excited to get my hands on this game the more i see of it the more i kind of understand the visual style they're going with and how it differs from minecraft and this this video is a really good look at that so i recommend it it's really fun there's also a very cute dog in one of the kind of cutaways to the 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 team there was uh, a shot of a bunch of wolves in game surrounding a player and kind of barking excitedly and then in the studio they have like one one of the developers has their own dog with them and so it's just kind of a a, a neat cut yeah
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean I'm excited for it as well. Cause I, I like the um it it's more complex than when they first announced it. And I'm pleasantly surprised with how many layers it seems to have. And so I'm curious as to how it's going to how it's going to play. And especially, you know, as a you know, a couple of guys that are steeped in Minecraft. Like it's, you know, it's our job. So, you know, we we tend to know a fair amount about Minecraft. And then how much are we going to have an advantage when we're in there and then how much are we going to have to kind of like unlearn what we have learned yeah in order to to wrap our mind around you know like i mean i'm sure there's going to be some weird kind of like guttural instinct of like creeper oh no wait they're friends yeah exactly that's (laughs) what i was going to say is
1: that the first thing that i'm going to have to unlearn is that creepers and zombies and stuff are the enemy because they're on your side for this game but uh yeah yeah one of the other really interesting points they bring up in this dev diary which we've heard before but is always nice to reiterate is that this game was being developed in tandem with the Nether update coming to Minecraft Vanilla. So they were exchanging notes with the main Minecraft team on what the piglins should look like and like how the biomes kind of interact with them. And obviously they've gone in two very different directions, but at the same time as, you know, Minecraft Dungeons was, you know, having pillagers in the game for before Vanilla Minecraft did, the same thing kind of happens with Minecraft Legends where the Alays and the piglin Mm -hmm. look and everything like that is folded into minecraft legends in its own unique way but was really being developed around the same time as those were coming to vanilla minecraft so the fact that the piglins look very characteristically different and they might interact with the fungus elements of the nether in a different way is really just as a result of them being developed side by side rather than them having to take their cues from java minecraft or or minecraft prime as it were
0: I wonder which takes longer to develop. Like if you've got an idea for a new mob that you want to add during the development of Minecraft Legends versus a new mob or something or a new version of a pickling that you want to add to Minecraft, I wonder which is a longer development process. I don't like, I, I guess they're just, they're two different games and it might just be apples and oranges. You just can't really compare, you know, but I feel like with Legends, whatever you're developing is going to have a specific role and it has to fill that role. Whereas I feel with Minecraft in general, like you, you have to have it, you have to think about so many different angles because if it's a sandbox game, you have to think about like, what happens if players exploit this new you know mob? What happens if it's too hard or too easy? Or like, how does it feel for young players versus old players? Whereas if it's just got a very specific role in Legends, I would imagine it's, you know, in some ways probably easier to come up with a concept for Legends, but then the art style and, and how that all works and all the animation might take a lot longer because the animation in Minecraft tends to be pretty simple.
1: Yeah, very different uh, production pipelines, I feel like. And yeah. I, I expect the Minecraft Java and Bedrock teams spend a lot of time collaborating on what is possible, what's going to fit the game, the sandbox element, but then also how is it going to interact with different control schemes and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, th- there's, there's a lot to think about, but Minecraft Legends being... I would arguably say a more straightforward game in terms of the concept behind it, like it's a it's a combat strategy game versus regular Minecraft, which can be all sorts of things, and and like it gets taken in very different directions. Yeah, I I expect they both got their challenges. The
0: um the thing that I'm looking forward to the most, I think. In terms of just the experience is the same thing that pulled me into Minecraft Dungeons, which is just the animation and the interaction of playing the game just looks so fun and so modern Mm -hmm. and bouncy and cartoony and silly. And I think that I'm I'm going to get a lot out of just the visuals of Minecraft Legends. You know, like the way that the piglins, even if they're even though they're bad guys, the way that the piglins run around like silly little dorks, it's just it's totally going to be just like this is awesome. Like yeah. I'm going to die here, but like it's still it's really funny to see them bounce around and do all this silly stuff. I know a lot of what I've seen has been in trailers, but still, I just the vibe of the game um, really feels like they just kind of took some things from minecraft and they just kind of like dialed it up a notch you, know, you can see them behind the scenes just taking the big knob and just turning it all the way up to high you know like, yeah yeah it's a cartoon game let's lean into this real hard you know and i, I mean the cartoonist me loves that
1: yeah and it's got those cartoony elements of sort of slapstick comedy with some of the little piglins and like all that kind of stuff really adds character to something that in the vanilla Minecraft game feels more like you can project whatever you want onto these in the same way that you get like a silent protagonist in some video games that's supposed to just be like a cypher for the player. I think it's really fun to, you know, have the bold step of adding so much character to them and it really feels like you're telling a story about them at that point instead of letting the player decide the story for themselves.
0: I don't have a lot to say about the pre-release 4. I mean, they've made some bug fixes that make sense. It seems strange to me that they're putting 1.20 bug fixes in pre-release 4. I would have thought they would just have held those for when they're doing snapshots for 1.20, but I, whatever, that they're, that's, that's already there, it's done. Um, So it's there. It wasn't separated in... The bug list, which I thought was interesting, like you kind of had to figure out, oh, wait a minute, that's a 1.20 feature. So that's a 1.20 bug fix. Mm-hmm. So it's really an experimental feature bug fix. Um So that kind of stuff was a little bit confusing. Um As a longtime Minecraft player, how do you feel about the credits and attribution button in the options
1: menu? I think it's good. I... Th- I... I play a few other indie games where you can get to the credits from the menu, and considering that we've heard a lot of players don't ever go to the end and fight the ender dragon, it seems kind of weird that they'd never get to see the list of credits for people who worked on the game in the game itself. Obviously there's places you can look these things up online, but I think it's nice that all of the people who put their hard work into the game at this point can get credited straight from the the menu screen and i haven't checked but i imagine it doesn't play the end poem at that point so what you're getting is the credits not like the full experience of having ended the game um I, i i do need to go and check or maybe somebody who's had a look at it can can remind us in the the live chat here but i would presume that it's just the credit scroll rather than the the reward of the end poem from having beaten the dragon i've only ever
0: seen the end poem once like you'd have to tell me what i'm looking at for me to remember it (laughs) i uh the reason i ask is because growing up with like nintendo games you never saw the end credit or heard the end credit song unless you beat the game like there wasn't a there wasn't an option
1: button in the in the menu to see the the credits so with that taken care of let's move on into chunk mail if you'd like to email the show and potentially get your email read the email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com once again keep them short and sweet And uh, we'd like to hear from some players. Uh, This one comes in from Dadavio with the subject of Black Sand, a suspicious solution for peaceful players. Hello, Joel and Johnny. I was listening to episode 235 and I thought of a possible way to combine tcanda 26s idea of suspicious sand dropping loot useful to peaceful players and the requirement of exploring the nether to get blaze powder by introducing Black Sand to the nether. Black sand would be a logical addition to the nether on its own, considering that in real life, black sand beaches exist around volcanic regions. It would probably look really cool, maybe replacing the current random patches of gravel that look a tad out of place in the moody nether landscape. Patches of suspicious black sand would also work well in bastion remnants, working the same as regular suspicious sand, dropping a variety of loot including golden nuggets, suspicious stew, the odd ender pearl, and of course blaze powder. I think this would be balanced for both the peaceful and non-peaceful game modes, On non-peaceful modes, perhaps the piglins aggro when you start digging up their stuff, making it preferable to find a fortress instead and collect blaze powder the traditional way. For peaceful players, there's still a major risk involved. Finding multiple bastions to find enough blaze powder would require traversing a lava-filled nether, after all. What do you think? Should Mojang add black sand and a suspicious variety to a future expansion of archaeology? Dadavio was hung, drawn, and quartered by a piglin brute because they forgot to set their world to peaceful. That is not how I want to go. Oh, absolutely <laughs> just, not. Yikes. Just, that's a hard no. It's that's happened to me a no couple of times that. at this point in game. Yeah. And I am, uh, yeah, I'm not not, a, not the biggest fan of Piglin Brutes these days.
0: I've never faced one. I've never had to go to a bastion. I think the only bastion that I've been to has been pre-cleared by server mates. So I've yeah, not yeah. actually run into them at all.
1: <laughs> Fair play. Uh,
0: yeah. I'm going to give a, a shout out to the other great minds that think alike to FlyMod12 and Bloodcount, who also wrote in with very similar ideas, expanding archaeology into the nether in order to maintain that stage of gameplay for all, while giving peaceful players a look into completing the game with blaze rods and ender pearls and other loot. FlyMod12 suggested suspicious gravel in the nether containing loot and additional pottery shard designs, and Bloodcount was thinking that they could do uh, some changes to soul soil or soul sand and turn that into to Suspicious Soul Sand uh, that would be available near Bastions, again, with loot for peaceful progression.
1: Good luck saying Suspicious Soul Sand over and over oh, again. right. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a way to test your microphone quality. How much does it hiss when you... S- 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 About the whole thing um but no going back to uh dadavio's email i love the idea of black sand um i think it's it's a really neat suggestion because of its link to the natural world and again can teach people a little bit more about volcanology and geology and all that kind of stuff um i'm curious how it would feel different from black concrete powder I think it'd be great to have something like that to place in water without it turning solid but texturally they might be quite similar in the same way that you can sort of tell the difference between red sand and orange concrete powder there's a bit more of the primary color in orange concrete powder but it's still at a glance if I was just given one block and told which one it was um you know I'd I'd believe you um I kind of wonder if there could be any additional stuff to black sand beyond just, you know, how it's found in the Nether. I sort of think, what if smelting it gave us an alternate way to acquire tinted glass instead of having to craft nice. that using amethyst and and that's a cool uh, idea. Farming glass, yeah. And again, I'm going to advocate for anything like this being made renewable because welcome to the renewable glass, renewable sand argument. Um, <laughs> yeah, th- there's there's a lot of potential to an idea like this. And I don't know if it should entirely replace gravel because I think gravel is part of the key to getting certain things in the nether. Like it gets you flint, which allows you to make a flint and steel if your portal breaks, that kind of thing. Like there's a few reasons for having gravel in the nether. And I guess black sand, assuming it's a gravity block like the other sand types would be, could be, you know, just as dangerous as gravel when it comes to you know if it's hollow it falls in and that's potential for falling in lava and the 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 danger the risk that it provides is uh is pretty much equivalent
0: and you'd also have if if there was suspicious black sand then you would have the potential loss of your of your loot right like if you didn't secure the area first or if you didn't uh use your brush on the suspicious black sand then if you mine one block and everything falls then you're going to lose whatever loot is in that isn't that suspicious? Black sand, and I like the idea of black sand too. Uh, you could maybe change the name a bit to be like volcanic sand, rather than just kind of like hardwiring that it's going to be black. You know, into mm-hmm. the texture, you can call it something else and maybe have it be a bit of more of a gray. I like the idea of having a different grainy gray block that is, you know, between dark gray concrete powder, or I guess just generally gray concrete powder. And then black sand like you could have something in that gray range that i think would work very well something they could work with deep slate i like the suggestion of black sand because it adds another block to the creative palette that just making sand or sorry not sand just making soul sand or gravel have a suspicious mechanic to it it doesn't necessarily add anything else to the game beyond just that mechanic i like the addition of, of black sand as something else entirely and, uh, I never thought about a uh, smell to get into tinted glass. That's a really cool idea. Um, my only, you know, I wouldn't want black sand to be purple in the same way that blackstone has a lot of purple in it. Um, uh, cause I think it would limit its uses outside of just the nether, but I feel like you could intermingle this black sand idea with gravel in the nether so that that gravel doesn't feel like such a stark kind of attachment to nether rack and to mm-hmm. other areas and, i think that you know the idea of having you know archaeology around bastions makes sense maybe in the same way that around desert temples and desert wells you've got suspicious sand maybe around bastions and perhaps basalt deltas like rare spawning situations for um archaeology in basalt deltas because that's also a treacherous place and Mm -hmm. you know you definitely a risk kind of going into there um I get, I mean, you could try to make it different from other sands by having it not deal with gravity. But like, I think that might be counterintuitive because if it is called a sand, then it should probably, you know, work the same way. Same if it was called like black gravel or something like that. Um, although black sand has kind of a fun ring to it. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like there's just a lot of potential for it. And it, it, to me, now I just can't think of, like more about how cool the nether would look with like black sand kind of hanging off the edges of things like I, it mm-hmm. could be it'd be very very interesting
1: another nether biome potentially or or in addition to uh, basalt yeah. deltas um yeah. plays actually chipped in in our live show chat to say that uh, while they're all for black sand giving tinted glass black sand is generally not a silica sand they don't think so getting glass from black sand would likely be unsuccessful in reality and i think that's kind of the the line you'd have to walk with an addition like this because players are going to assume that if something is sand it's going to behave the way the other sand blocks in the game do and that's either going to be a moment that you can teach people about the natural world or a moment people are going to be disappointed that things don't work from a from a game design perspective the way that they've been signposted to elsewhere so yeah it's a, a, a neat addition but thank you for the input we really appreciate that dragonglass yeah yeah there's there's another option um <laughs> one of the other suggestions for what the suspicious sand or the suspicious black sand in bastion remnants could have was suspicious stew and i do like that as an idea although i wouldn't necessarily want to have a bowl of stew that was sat around in sand just kind of buried anyway um unless it's got a a tight lid on that thing but uh it it does kind of you know it, it has a real mystery meat vibe which kind of fits the nether really well for me um although perhaps maybe has less internal logic again since suspicious stew is going to be crafted using overworld flowers so unless you had a version of suspicious stew that used uh nether fungus instead of overworld mushrooms then yeah i feel like they they wouldn't quite be able to justify its existence in the nether
0: the idea of eating anything in the nether just kind of irks me it's like one of those lines from an action movie you all walk into the nether and somebody in your group goes don't touch anything yeah (laughs) right like that's kind of kind of the way that it should it should go but yeah me me eating a bowl of soup that i found in sand in the nether probably not high on my priority (laughs) or you know it could also be like you're in the seventh ring of hell and like there's just sand in all of your food and that's your punishment like that's just that's what you have to deal with in that particular area
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i mean the, the nether is a harsh enough environment to begin with so yeah scrounging what you can to eat is uh Going to be a little bit rough, but uh, yeah, you're right. I I don't think anybody would really want to. Although thinking about it, if there's enough lava around, the soup's probably still pretty warm.
0: There you <laughs> so go. It's, it's
1: uh, at least I don't know if you could guarantee like you know boiled and and safe to eat, but they could at least uh, guarantee that you get a warm. Uh, it's like a thermos, just a, an entire dimension, of the thermos dimension. <laughs> Good soup. Our
0: second email comes in from McScrewgun, a landscape artist member of our community carpentry and construction worker in Minecraft. We are going to spin out some of this into a main discussion. Good insert appropriate time zone here, Joel and Johnny. And the same to you. Appropriate time to send that. In a recent podcast, you asked for any of your listeners to write in if they had any real world construction experience. As it happens, I spent 25 years or so as a scenic carpenter for stage theatres both resident theaters and in shops which served smaller theaters which did not have their own facilities to build. For me, the most interesting and difficult aspect of Minecraft compared to real world building is seeing objects as something that they are not. For example, birch wood, either stripped or in log stair form, is a very similar color to sand and such. It fits well in a gradient along a path, shall we say. However, there's always a little bit of my mind that thinks, what is the wood doing laying in the sand? Additionally, there is a real world physics that come to play. For example, a wood floor on the second floor of a story needs to have beams. Otherwise, what is holding it up? Cheers, McScrewgun did not die, but hurt himself severely falling into a hole in the stage. That's a lie. I did not get hurt that badly. I am pointing and laughing at McScrewgun only because you did not get hurt that badly. That's an inside joke for my streams because he, <laughs> he likes it when I fall off of stuff in video games and he finds it very funny. Um, thanks so much for the contribution, McScrewgun. Very much appreciated. And I think the interesting aspect about this email that we can spin into a main discussion is looking at things in Minecraft and seeing things that they are not. And I thought that was an interesting kind of topic to kind of dive into. So yeah. when, when it comes to this kind of stuff, Johnny, like how do you retrain your brain in Minecraft to see things as as other things.
1: Well, in a in a broader sense, this is something that we we heard about from Adam Clark back in way back in episode 43 when we interviewed him and he was talking about how you know, kids adapt to Minecraft very easily, but it's harder for some adults because they didn't grow up playing video games uh and so they can't immerse themselves in Minecraft maybe even because of the blocky aesthetic, they can't kind of bridge the mental gap between Reality and this simulated world made of cubes and so their brains can't really like smooth over the rough edges and This kind of goes back to what I was saying about the minecraft legends dev diary in a sense They talk about adding those natural touches to the world the wind the birds in the trees, etc And these are all things that I feel like we imagine in vanilla Minecraft without them needing to exist your brain kind of like blends those things together and uh, It would be great if we did get you know the wind and birds and that kind of thing, but you recognize that sometimes those things are more difficult to implement than you imagine. But yeah, for me, I think I've always had quite a creative imagination. I've always, you know, I've grown up reading kind of broadly reading fantasy books and stuff like that. And so my imagination has always been one of those that, um, you know, is able to picture things and and add to pictures in my imagination quite clearly. There was this interesting test that went around, especially on Twitter and a few other places recently, that was, um, you know, imagine an apple and which of these apples on a scale of one to five is it? Do you imagine no apple? Do you imagine just like the shape of an apple, the silhouette of it? Do you imagine an apple in black and white, but you can't really see it in color? Do you see like a full color apple, but maybe like a more cartoony one? Or do you see like a photorealistic apple in your mind? And it's a study of like the human brain has a condition that in some people is a fantasia where they can't really imagine images in their mind. And so I kind of, I go back and forth on how I interact with that, but I feel like in Minecraft I'm able to picture stuff in my imagination before I can see it in-game, and that's partly through interacting with it so much but i think that really helped in the beginning i think it really helped me suspend my disbelief when i got into minecraft and realized oh okay this is meant to be like you know that that collection of grass blocks over there is meant to just be a smooth hill effectively like you can imagine it that way if it helps you understand that that's something that you can walk up and reach the top of it and so from day one it's really been about that it helps that minecraft also has real world animals that serve as analogues to behaviors that you might well expect so a wolf is potentially going to be something you can tame and it becomes a dog like happens to wolves long ago that led to us having dogs now or it could also be hostile to you because it is still a wolf um the same goes for sheep and cows and all that kind of things like these are all animals that you can domesticate so minecraft giving you those familiar things even if they are part of a blocky aesthetic can really help to bridge the gap between what you see as reality and what you see as simulation
0: I never thought about the way people think about things as being either something that helps them or hinders them in in Minecraft. And I've heard about this word, like, you know, you you say the word log to someone and what they think of is the actual word log, L-O-G in their head. Mm -hmm. They know what it is. They know what it means, but they think of log. You say log to me, I picture a log. Yeah. Like I can, I can picture an imaginary log, you know, that I can flip around 360 degrees imagine what it looks like it has a little twig on it a little leaf like i just i it's all there mm-hmm. and i mean i i tie that into probably my experience in, you know as an artist for 20 years professionally and you know as amateur my entire life and i think that that combined with b- being brought up on lego has really aided me in some aspects of minecraft where i have to suspend my disbelief you know a really good example is like roofs that are essentially staircases I look at them I look at them like angles now. I look at them like 45, 30 degree angles. It's a very pixelated layout, but I, my brain has just kind of accepted that that's kind of how we have to do it. Um, same thing with like, I'm not sure how to explain it, but like the pixelated pattern that you have to lay down in Minecraft to create a circle and then to extrude that up and create a cylinder if you're doing like a round tower, quote unquote. I see them as cylinders and circles now. Mm-hmm. You know, like, cause that's just, that's just how you have to do it in Minecraft. There's no other way. I mean, there's a certain scale at, at, at which it doesn't look like a circle. It looks like a square with a, with a chamfered corner. Right. But once you get up to a certain size, like they really do feel like rings and circles. And I, I think that's interesting how like the longer that you play the game, some of these things can be smoothed over, uh, pardon the pun. And, uh, in another way, my artistic brain is a hindrance because, I can't just get my head around like a meter by meter stair block as a chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Like I just, I can't do it. It's too big. It's too chunky. It's it's a combination of what it is and the fact that it's used for something else so commonly in the game. Stairs are everywhere in your builds. And to put yet another one in the middle of the room and call it a chair, even if it has signs in the corner of it, I still don't look at it like a chair. And the other part of it is is the perspective at which you play Minecraft, which is much different than the human eye sees. like you know the the POV of 70 or some people play at a much higher POV. And like I it, for whatever reason it just feels too large, too in your face, it's the size of a sofa, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or a big armchair, you know, and it's it's a very interesting you know dynamic, and I just can't seem to rack my head around it, which is why I've implemented some data packs on the Citadel to give us tables and chairs at what I feel would be, minecraft scale like they're still very pixelated they're still very simple but you know um they they feel i think right in terms of of where they sit um on the flip side uh, i find that my artist brain can accept some things but then weirdly i draw a line elsewhere so custom trees that aren't spruce and dark oak planks spruce and dark oak planks i can totally see custom tree If it's an oak tree with spruce planks in it, I just see planks in the tree. Like I don't, I can't, I can't wrap my head. There's such a difference between the oak bark texture and the plank texture that I just, I can't get there. Uh, And weirdly, I I know we've talked about this. I'm okay with fence gates in trees and shrubbery, but a fence looks dumb. (laughs) Like, I don't know why. Because the fence gate doesn't look a heck of a lot better, but I think it's just because you can hide it behind things or it's it's just got a different, you know, symmetrical feel to it. Whereas the fence gate has so much vertical and right angle horizontal. I just, I just can't get by it. And it's such a weird thing. And in a lot of ways, you know, with all the landscaping I've been doing lately, I really wish we had more custom tree options because that's where I start to lose my my immersion if i'm doing custom trees i gotta be real careful because after a while i just start to not really see what i'm doing i just see stairs and blocks everywhere
1: yeah like it took me a really long time to get used to the idea of putting planks in there because the texture is so different from logs or even stripped logs now um, you, you end up with seeing the plank lines everywhere and it just feels like, yeah, some carpenter has put up something to hold up that next branch of the tree because without it, it would fall down. You've like put in braces of the tree to make sure it doesn't fall on your garden shed or something. And that, that's always what that looked like to me. And then I started to try and build trees with a more organic winding trunk and i just wasn't satisfied with them being full blocks so i I just kind of had to compromise in my suspension of disbelief and after a while i sort of get used to it but every now and then i go back to look at trees like that and even in the screenshots you shared earlier i just kind of went yeah something about that doesn't a hundred percent work for me it looks great in other people's builds but if i try and do that in my own builds Perhaps because I've crafted the planks myself, there's a point at which I just go, those are definitely planks. And, you know, in other other people's builds, I can't prove those are planks because I didn't put them there. So maybe there's something to do with that, I'm not sure. Um... It's funny and interesting that uh, McScrewgun brings up birch wood because well, I, I totally agree, stripped birch and planks can fit in well with some palettes, but birch logs with the bark texture are one of those blocks that I just can't see as anything other than birch wood. If you're using it in a wall and you're blending it with diorite and calcite and other blocks in similar kind of color palettes, I still find them too high contrast and noticeably the birch log texture. But again, that's often in my own builds. There are people in our Spawn Chunks community and some folks on Empires who've been building with birch logs and shared screenshots of those. And I think they look spectacular. They're so good. But if I were to put them in there, I would want to take them out again immediately because to me, that just looks like a birch log. It's it's rough. It's, it's one of those things that you probably have to have more experience with or be able to step away from your own builds and come back to them later and go yeah okay that that works the way i i wanted it to in order to be perfectly happy with every block in the game and where it has context but there are there are definitely some blocks that i still can't see as anything other than themselves
0: i find sometimes it's easier with new blocks to imagine them as something else like i mentioned earlier that i was using polished deep slate walls as like stove pipes. Yeah. And I find that I can do that with the new blocks cuz I can think about all the different things I can do with a new block. But then something like cobblestone and oak wood, I find myself subconsciously just avoiding it because I just I've seen it in Minecraft villages all over the place. Before Minecraft villages looked good by the way, like just, you know, I started playing in 1.12. So like, I just see it everywhere. It's the first thing that you get to collect. It's the first thing that you build with. It's the first thing that you build something that, you know, you think is sucky, you know, yeah, in Minecraft. And feels therefore- very, like feels
1: uh, you... day one Minecraft kind of blocks. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. I use that term a lot on, on stream too. And it just, it does not feel like something I want to use. And I, I don't avoid it, I think, on purpose. It's just something that happens kind of subconsciously. And then when I do try to put, cobblestone into like a road texture or something like that it just jumps out at me like i see Mm -hmm. it immediately and it's very difficult for me to get it to look good and i feel like you know in one in one way that i've managed to get past that is to use more of it like is to use patches of cobblestone as opposed to just one or two blocks like create like a patch of five or six with a little bit of cracked and stuff around the edges and it starts to feel a little bit better but it's it's funny how those blocks just kind of jump out at me i'm trying to think of other blocks that i i see and just they just look like the thing i mean sometimes you can't really do much with some of the profession blocks like a cartography table just looks the same no matter which way you put it um target if, block it would be difficult to yeah. to move around and make look like something else
1: if you look like red bricks for example same thing right like mm-hmm. if you get, if you get clay bricks they're just going to look like a clay brick wall and yeah uh, and and to the extent where if you put too many of them into what's supposed to be a brick building you actually go no I don't like this so much because it feels very kind of one note and i think it's often the higher contrast blocks that are harder to like work into some of mm. that stuff like what i have with birch trees uh, red brick is another good uh, option but then cobblestone itself has that like very light gray and very kind of harsh shadows for the cracks in the cobblestone which work well for the texture in situ but then when you start to put it in anything else it starts to become very noticeable and i think a lot of the newer textures that you're having more fun working with Are a little bit less contrasty, especially after one fourteen. You know, changed a lot of the textures of blocks. Some are, yeah. I I remember there being discussions about cobblestone looking too blurry, and then realizing that oh wait, that just means that the contrast has been reduced to make it more usable in certain situations. Yeah, and there's there's a lot to be said for that approach. I think a a lot of the art style of Minecraft lately has favoured blocks feeling like they can be interpreted as other things just to allow players imaginations to run wild with them so that's that's why i'm having such a good time with uh packed mud everywhere right now is because it can feel like a natural part of the landscape it can feel like mud has slapped up on the side of a building or it can be part of a statue or it can be part of you know any number of other things
0: tiles on a roof it looks great yeah i really like it i just wish we had stairs and slabs in the packed version you know have instead of the mud bricks yeah yeah Mm -hmm yeah yeah. 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 Uh, i think that the high contrast thing i I'll, i throw blackstone underneath the bus a lot and i think part of the reason is the color but the other part of the reason is that it is one of those very high contrast pixelated blocks that mm. just looks like a minecraft block whereas when you take deep slate and you've got like cobbled deep slate and all the different variants like they really do feel like a bunch of different things that you can that you can use them for and i i like that more um in terms of the variety the flexibility in a block i think really has an appeal for me and i tend to avoid the ones that are very pixelated and i think a lot of times too the scale at which you're building can affect how you can suspend your disbelief in terms of what things are and what texture they might represent you know i build a lot at the player scale i know i talked a lot about this with um mythical sausage when when he was on and for me like, i want the buildings to feel about the right size for the player and in that regard if you get into um, certain blocks, like sometimes it just looks like a block, you know, it just looks like what it is like the birch block. It just looks like a birch block. But if you're building a castle that's big enough, you know, and you've got a gradient of white or gray into white, you can work in that birch bark block and it'll look fine. But your wall has got to be big enough for that to read at a distance and something that you're not ever going to be standing like right next to. And I think that that can be a, a, a big thing. I find something that never works for me is um the big kind of sculptures or organic builds like if someone decides to build a dragon in minecraft wrapped around their big castle that dragon is going to be big and in order to get the resolution to create the shapes of the dragon's nose and teeth and all this kind of stuff you're gonna have to build it very very large but because of the static nature of minecraft and the fact that you're just creating pixels out of these one meter by one meter blocks I don't look at it at all like a real dragon in the world. I'm not immersed by it at all. No disrespect to the amount of work and artistry that goes into them. I think they look fantastic. They're very pretty, but it doesn't... I look at it like it's a sculpture in Minecraft. I don't think about it like a living, breathing dragon in the world in the same way that a sheep walking by I will say, oh, it's a sheep in Minecraft. You know, like I don't, I don't think about it like a blocky sheep. I think about it like a sheep.
1: Conveying life without motion is just so difficult when it comes to those kind of big organic builds and sculptural that that are meant to be creatures. You know, Um, like I've been trying to build larger structures because they're typically seen from a distance lately, and like at that scale, you can fit in more detail and texture without it feeling overwhelming. And I like the example I want to give is my gatehouse that I built on Empire's season two on the Great Bridge. I would not texture that the same way i would texture a five by five house you know like you're just gonna look like block spam because the house is meant to be something that's at ground level at player eye height you're gonna be you know running around between streets of these in a a larger town build and at that point, you probably want to back off the detail just so it doesn't look like a patchwork quilt up close. And at a, a close range, you're going for similar colors a lot of the time because that helps your brain blend two blocks together and you, you don't see the hard line between the two textures. And there are some textures that blend together really nicely that allow you to simulate that and and trick the eye into not knowing where one block ends and the next begins. At a distance, that's much easier because the game's rendering even starts to blend them for you a little bit. So that's kind of the way I've been treating larger build projects. Like you work with shape if you want to convey some of that stuff, but then you also start to texture things based more on light and shadow, and there you can start to gradiate blocks a lot more and, and you can do a lot more with it. Um, and then again, if you look at the boulders that I've been building on the clifftop in the screenshots I shared earlier, They have a kind of patchwork of stone types, there's regular stone in there, there's mossy cobblestone, there's andesite, there's tough, and it can be on a, you know, next block to next block, there can be three or four different blocks all next to each other, but I find that natural textures or texture within natural builds work well where texture and structures has to be approached kind of differently. Like it feels more natural if organic shapes have a bit more haphazard texturing because They feel like they've been more subject to entropy of the natural world. They've been eroded or sun bleached or trodden on or whatever has happened to them throughout their lives feels different to how a house is constructed to look a certain way. And if it doesn't look a certain way forever, then it's either been poorly maintained or the materials have eroded or something like that. But you don't tend to see houses that are made out of like a whole bunch of different materials all kind of jumbled together. In Minecraft, we do our best to simulate that in a sense, in some cases, but it's really just implied texture a lot of the time if a, if a build is built well.
0: And I think that structures lend themselves very well to Minecraft, whereas anything like a vehicle doesn't, you know, yeah, yeah. planes and cars tend to want to be aerodynamic and you just can't get them to look <laughs> that aerodynamic in Minecraft yeah. without, without, depending on the scale. But even then, you're still very, very tough to, to get it to look right. And, and I feel like, you know, with buildings, like you're meant to have that structural right angle, unless you're doing something really modern, but honestly, like a lot of the time you can get away with very straight lines, even in modern builds, and it still, still looks good. Um, and you know, when you're dealing with that kind of structure, it's, it buildings and vertical and all that kind of stuff tends to go very well with, with Minecraft. Whereas you try to do anytime I've ever seen someone build like, you know, a 747 or, like I'd love to do more Star Wars stuff in Minecraft, but like everything's on an angle. (laughs) Like there's there's barely, you know, there's not that Star Wars doesn't have a lot of curves in it per se, but there's definitely a lot of angles that you just can't really achieve. And it goes back to scale. And, you know, to go the other way, I find that I get caught up with the lack of micro detail when attempting builds, especially in something modern, like a modern apartment in our Southport, you know, modern city on the the Citadel. Uh, It's just you know, we've got data packs for tables and chairs and mini blocks help, but like we can craft a flower pot in Minecraft, but you can't craft a cup or a plate, mm-hmm. you know, like there's certain things that you just can't really do that. Well, things like lamps or, uh, I'm trying to think about other things that are at that scale. Um, park benches, uh, just lampposts get tricky, you know, because you've got a certain amount of of scale that you have to maintain in order for things to be a certain height and a certain width and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like at that point you start to run into, thankfully we have more blocks now, like there's a lot more darker sub blocks, like walls from deep slate. Uh, There's um, some different color woods and things that we can do better poles and things with now, but it's still a lot of, you know, using wood where it should be metal, you know, that kind of a thing. And I feel like, you know, it's, you end up missing things like you want more metal or stone trapdoors, You know, you want more, you know, blocks that are thinner than a slab or smaller than a slab or, you know, something like a button trying to convince, you know, a button on a desk to try and make it look like a computer mouse, like stuff like that. I find um, very tricky. I'm not saying that Minecraft needs things like, you know, computer mice, but, you know, some basic stuff that the player can. Use as subblocks. Um, I really like what they've done, you know, from a medieval standpoint with candles, you know, uh, what's coming with the um petal carpets, the pink petals. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of subblock control, I think really opens up creativity for for players. And depending on what it's being used for, those kind of things, depending on like the mod or the data pack, like you if you don't want to use flowers, like you could totally turn flowers in the way that that block functions, uh, in a data pack into like table setting, you know, like the more that you place, the more things are, are in, you know, in there. I think we talked about that with, um, uh, potions, how cool would it be if instead of being the item sprite, when, when a potion is in the world, if it was actual, you know, cuboid model that you could put on a table. And I'd love to see more stuff like that in Minecraft. Like I'd like to be able to take an apple from my inventory and put it on a table and have it look like a little square apple. I'm okay mm-hmm. with it being square. It doesn't have to be round because I think that's where mods that I see that get to like uh, Tinker's contra- Construct or or um, Chisels and Bits where the apple looks like a really tiny pixelated apple and it's the wrong scale for mm-hmm. the pixels and then it starts to look weird. But if it's just a square apple you know, with a little stem on the top of it, I think that works in Minecraft. Like I'm, yeah. I'm cool with the squary aesthetic. It's just the scale of things, I think when I'm getting into details, is difficult for me. Now, I know that you used to do like tutorials about like how to get like uh i think it was like leather helmets to look like books and bookshelves and all kinds of really cool stuff
1: yeah like the the armor stand detail stuff i used to do and there was was there's a lot of little bits and pieces like that that can make things a touch more interesting but yeah you you do have to suspend your disbelief and once you've seen how it's done. Uh, somebody in chat, uh, your old man, said uh, magic isn't magic if you know how the trick is done, and yeah like it's exactly that. It- it's it's also not magic if you right click on the armor stand and you pull the pants off of what should look like a bookshelf, so you have to guarantee a certain <laughs> level of player interaction or non-interaction with it for it to really have the the uh illusion you want it to it helps if you can like lock armor stands and stuff like that if you're using the the data pack to do things like that but it also gets more and more fiddly the the closer you get to it like it's a different level of time investment and my problem with chisels and bits was always you end up spending three hours working on something that's less than a block (laughs) and you just really really start to feel like a, a a chisel is being used there um i find it interesting speaking of chisels that McScrewgun, not to delve too deep into the mind of McScrewgun here, um, but you you have a hard time seeing objects as something they're not, perhaps because of your work as a stage carpenter. Like, you, you can... You, you look at stage flats, which are supposed to be the illusion of there being either, like, you know, uh, a house... The living room kind of thing for like a cozy murder mystery or if you're doing I don't know like a pantomime or a fairy tale story or something like that there's supposed to be like this big landscape behind the actors on stage but it's, it's usually painted so that there's the illusion of depth there when there really is no depth and perhaps having gotten that peek behind the curtain uh, maybe that's one of the things that breaks your immersion for other illusions like uh, the world of Minecraft where you, you kind of think well ev- everything here is a set in a sense, and all the world's a stage. Uh, so you, you can't really look at things as other than what they are because of your experience crafting those illusions for other people, in a sense. And and I wonder how easily it comes to you looking at other people's builds and going, well, that that's I, I can't quite tell how they've done that, or that's an interesting combination of stuff, therefore it's easier to suspend your disbelief about that stuff compared to the stuff that you've made yourself.
0: I do that when I'm looking at builds from FWIP or uh, Mythical Sausage on like Instagram. Uh, and part of it is that the, the picture is so small on my phone. It's like, how did they get this shape? Like, what yeah. is going on? And I find the thing that that is difficult for me to get past is when I look at those screenshots and I see just like just how many blocks or just how many things they've jammed into this small space and I go, wow, okay. Uh, that must just be a lot, a lot. And I think that like when I try to do that for me in in game, I end up with like a conflict of like, I can't fit the sign and the trap door in the same space. So like, how did they do it? Because I can't put them in the same block space, but it it's just this very carefully planned out. I'm assuming there's a lot of trial and error in getting that kind of detail into your builds. But I, I find too that I get caught up sometimes too much in, like say hanging a flower pot where you've got the chain that goes down into a bush and then you've got like a trapdoor in the bottom. And I find that when I look at it, when I'm building it, it just doesn't look right. I just like, eh, whatever. it's I mean, it's not bad, but it's not really selling me the way that I want it to. But the difference is that when you've got four dozen of these lining the street of your elven castle build, they look fantastic, yeah. right? But when you build the one, you're just like, mm, this is not doing it for me. and And I feel like I need to get better at like, stepping back and looking at things as a whole I get made fun of all the time on stream about backing up constantly and looking at stuff because when I'm right in front of it I get I definitely dismiss it and I need to back up a bit before I can kind of accept you know what I'm doing yeah Um, I find that's true of um textures on blocks too like sometimes a mushroom block is a great color brown but it does not go in path work for me very well in the same way that a packed mud block does because the mushroom block texture is just too smooth. The, mm-hmm. the brown mushroom block is too smooth. Same with concrete concrete. I find very difficult to mix in with stuff because it's just, it's almost devoid of texture. Right. And, and yeah. I think that, you know, um, better examples are like, it's a reason why when you're doing like a medieval build, terracotta looks so much better than mm. concrete because yeah. terracotta has like a grain to it almost. And it feels a little bit more substantial. Like it's a material.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think, especially going back to your uh, um, like hanging plants, sort of hanging baskets, flower pots. Uh, you know, example. I think it is all about context. I think that's one of the other things that that really comes into play here is is the context of having it in front of a big build, and like this is just one decorative touch. Whereas when you're viewing it out of context. In a creative world for example if it's the only thing around you in this super flat world it's gonna look weird and out of place and you're gonna dismiss it based on not thinking it really fits the environment but subconsciously you're doing that and you sort of think why doesn't this look right oh the combination of blocks must just be kind of off whereas yeah if you you go back into the world you put it in front of the the elven castle and you employ what i still think of as the backup dancer theory where if one person is doing a dance then it kind of looks silly by itself but if 10 people are all doing it coordinated at the same time it looks like a really good dance and i think if, if you do that with the smaller details that you are like maybe less confident in if you repeat them a bunch of times if there is room in the build to repeat them a bunch of times then it starts to look like a more confident touch you kind of yeah you fake it till Mm. you make it in that sense so i think that's that's something to try if you're having trouble with you know interpreting things in minecraft as you know something other than what they are. Then, ironically, the weirdest thing to do, like the, the 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 most straightforward thing to do to resolve that, is to use them more, so that you can, you know, g- get the context of them and and have it become a motif for the stuff that you're building instead of it just being that one detail that looks a little bit out of place.
0: And if you're looking at things uh, from a distance too, if you've got multiple across a landscape, like say a a row of buildings down the street and you've done something very specific with like the front door lantern that looks weird up close. But as they get farther away, it makes sense. Then your brain kind of connects everything together. That's a good point.
1: Well, hopefully some of you folks who have trouble seeing the Apple have been helped by this episode of The Spawn Chunks, but that's where we're going to wrap things up for today. You can find information about the show and links to some of the stuff that we've seen today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can join our community at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. Pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. You can listen to the show live every week when we record it in Discord, and We've got our monthly minecraft audio hangout and other events coming up as the month rolls on we currently have 331 patrons which is up five from last week but as always there's always room for more special thanks go out to our content engineers hunter555 jumbo Sail, and yitz for your support on this episode sharing the podcast
0: with your friends is the easiest way to support the show you can find us at the spun chunks on twitter and instagram Personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast with a friend. Just poke them in the arm from a safe distance and say you should listen to The Spawn Chunks. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Be sure to leave a rating and a review on your favorite platform. You can email the show at spunchunkmail@gmail.com. at gmail.com. The RSS feed is linked at the and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to The Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast.
1: My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixariffs. you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash pixariffs where there is a brand new episode of Empires SMP ready for you to watch today. Expect a few other things to pop up soon as well. I'm also streaming on Twitch, I do behind the scenes work for my YouTube series there, but every no- every so often now I'm playing Elden Ring with Zloy XP, and I'll do a couple of other bits and pieces. I feel like playing some other games on Twitch occasionally, so uh, as my want, I will uh, probably pop in with a few other games i'm the voice of the unofficial hermitcraft recap on weekends you can find that through a quick youtube search and aside from that i'm at pixel Riffs on both twitter and instagram joel where can people find you online
0: everything that i'm doing online can be linked at joelduggan.com including the citadel cafe my sci-fi and fantasy entertainment podcast you can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on twitch where i stream basically every day lego on fridays
1: minecraft the rest of the time working on finishing up west hill Thanks for visiting the spawn chunks, the world outside is infinite, but you'll have to see it to believe it.